What's going on, everyone? You are now listening to The Wrestling High. We are your hosts, Alex James. And this is Mikey Bravo. And on this show, we will be giving you our thoughts, reviews, and reactions on all the major wrestling shows. And that includes Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, and especially pay-per-views. We'll also be touching on all the hot topics and rumors going on all throughout wrestling. What the fuck was that? All right, everybody, thank you for joining us for this week's edition of The Wrestling High. It's our 10th episode in two months, and uh, whether you're a day one listener or uh, you're just joining us, thank you for listening. Always be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore wrestling underscore high for updates throughout the week of what we're going to talk about on our episodes. And uh, this week's episode, we are reviewing Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel just happened last night. Or yesterday afternoon, I guess I should say. We're doing this Friday night. And um, it turned out to uh, probably be the best card, uh, the best pay-per-view show we've seen in Saudi Arabia since they started doing these shows three years ago. Yeah, this is definitely the best one they've done over there. Not that that's saying much, because most of those shows have been remembered for being a lot funnier than they intended to be. I, that's what I was looking for, some funny shit on him. That's what you was, expect at this point. It was good. You know, like, it's this whole Saudi Arabia shit, it started off with the greatest Royal Rumble. And that's probably, like, the, that Royal Rumble itself is probably one of the hel- most hilarious matches of all time. Yeah, I can remember how much I laughed at that <laughs> shit, especially Titus O'Neil sliding under the ring. You and I still go back and watch just how fucking ridiculous that Royal Rumble is. Hiroki Sumi and Mark Henry. The fake Yokozuna. Oh, my Baba God. Babatunde. That went down for the yeah, ages. He, he, like, that was a who's oh, who. Man. You had people like Kurt Angle and Daniel Bryan and Chris Jericho and fucking Braun Strowman who won the Battle Royal to guys that you will never see again, never saw before. It was entertaining. It was a fucking... <laughs> it was a Royal Rumble. That's a 50-man Royal Rumble. Um, it started with that. We also got the unfortunate return of Shawn Michaels. Um, the the DX versus Undertaker and Kane. I, I know it sucks to say that, but it's true. Like That should have never happened. I like not and Shawn Michaels. Shawn had to wrestle the match himself because Triple H, I guess, tore his peck like early. Yeah, in the match. like five minutes in. Yeah, and Michaels, his first match in eight years, had to fucking go up against Undertaker and Kane, a very sloppy Undertaker and Kane. Yeah, that was bad. And uh, Shawn Michaels was bald, and it was just you know, Michaels himself still showed that he had it even eight years away from the fucking ring in his 50s but the match was just horrible yeah and i don't want to see Shawn michaels bald like imagine (laughs) imagine michael jordan coming back with the wizards with fucking dreads (laughs) so you you look weird not to mention he knocked fucking kane's mask off (laughs) remember that i remember that jesus christ Oh, it was what a so mess. bad. Though. Yeah, it was horrible. Then you think of the Undertaker and Goldberg match that almost took the life of the Undertaker because Goldberg's an idiot. Um, Goldberg even speared his own fucking face into the turnbuckle and sliced himself open. I think he concussed himself. Too. Yeah, which is why he almost dropped Undertaker on his head doing a jackhammer. 
Um, and then Goldberg beating The Fiend for the Universal title for an inexplicable reason. Um, so we have plenty of reasons to hate these Saudi Arabia shows. Yeah. I just named them all off, like one show at a time. Thank God this one was pretty good. This one was the actual, was hands down the best Saudi yeah, Arabia show. Because there's plenty of like decent shit to talk about. Um, and the night kicked off with, I mean, it started off with a bang. And it, it I don't want to say it was downhill from there. But as far as like, a, like match quality, it didn't get better than Edge versus Seth Rollins inside Hell in a Cell. Bro, the third of their trilogy. Do you trilogy. remember, I think it was our first episode. Because I didn't even realize we were 10 episodes in. Yeah, but this is number 10. I think our first one, we said this was going to be a trilogy. I think we, like, I don't know if we, like, said it, but we, like, wondered, like, is it going to be a trilogy? It could be. We could see it happening. It wound up being. Yeah, it, it had to be. It was, this is perfect. And all three matches were... Bangers. Ri- yeah, they. I, I got to go back and watch the SummerSlam match. Um, cause obviously it was the first one, so it's, you know, not as, you know, fresh in my head. The MSG dope. match was fucking great. The MSG great. match was like probably the best TV match of the year. Well, probably Brian and Omega. Uh, I think for Edge WWE, it was probably Edge the Rollins best. Rollins told more of a story. Brian and Omega was just thrown together to see them two wrestle. To me, it didn't tell much uh, okay. of a story. You know what I'm saying? I, I can, it, I now, mean, if, it did, but it didn't have, if, it if didn't have the story up, built in like Ron's and Edge. If they had a build-up where they were, you know, going at it for a couple of weeks and shit, yeah. then okay. I guess I see your point. It's definitely WWE's best TV Boy, match. this, bro, like, there were some spots in this Hell in a Cell. This is the best Hell in a Cell match I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, ever since the Hell in a Cell became gigantic, like, ten feet higher than it already was. And red. And red, which was, like, a thing they did for the last few years. Vince has a thing for red. Yeah, except for, you know, other than blood. God forbid there's blood in the Hell in a Cell match, and I'll address that too. But uh, this match was the opener of um, Crown Jewel. I mean, earlier in the night, they had, they had um, the pre-show match was the Usos versus the Hurt Business, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. And um, they had a pretty decent match that went about 10 minutes. The Usos went over, as you would expect. They're not losing. They're the, ta- they're the Roman Reigns of tag teams, obviously. Yeah. So they're going to be protected. Um, but the very first match of the actual pay-per-view was Edge and Rollins Part 3. I like it. I like kicking off the event with a big match. Yeah. It, like, the main event doesn't always have to go on last. It can, the main event can be first. I mean, I think the main event for sure was definitely Brock and Roman. You know what I yeah, mean? Like that, we that's all what it was built up. But like yeah. Rollins and uh, Rollins and Edge was basically the you know it the was co-main the co-main event. event. Yeah, it was the co-main event for sure. It was even bigger than E and Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. As 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 good as that match was, and we'll get into that later. But starting off with Edge and Rollins, um, fifteen seconds into the match, we get this is awesome chance before they barely even locked up. So it was kind of odd. Were laughing at yeah, that. it was kind of odd, but at least. You can tell that they're into it. Yeah, Saudi Arabia's you know? into it. Riyadh is where they are. You can tell they watch it when it's not over there. This, in this show in particular. Yeah, like the first few shows, they were like the crowd was kinda, just happy to yeah. be there. Kind of now they they chant stuff, they interact with the. It, they seem like they're like they know what's going on. Like they're well aware of who's who and what is yeah. you know what the storylines are. So they were into it immediately. Um, Minutes into the match, Edge brings in two chairs. He's in a concerto. Um, he hits Rollins with an execution for the first near fall. Edge breaks apart of the chair the same way he did against Roman Reigns to use it as a crossface. Uh, Rollins gets out of it. 
And uh, Rollins takes control, ramming Edge into the cell walls all throughout the ring until Edge hits him with a surprising baseball slide from inside the ring as Rollins bounces right off the cell wall. We get some really cool spots here. Um, one in particular that wasn't cool, I, I got to say, because it happened first. It was a little annoying because it just doesn't make any sense. No realism at all. Um, so Edge starts to put the cross face on Seth Rollins. Rollins gets that broken piece of chair in his hand, and he jabs Edge in the fucking eye with it. <laughs> Not one drop of blood is seen. Yeah, that, I mean, you just got jabbed in the face with a piece of steel? Yeah. You should be, you know, squirting some blood can out. Can we, like, can we blade a little bit? Like, there's not even a fucking scratch and on he, Edge's face. This, I had said something, I think I, I was talking to somebody, and I said that how AEW overuses color. WWE should, like, you're, it's hell in a cell. You just got yeah. jabbed in the eye. That's an instance where you need to use color. Yeah. I mean, if you, why even do that move? Yeah. It, Don't even fucking do it. Because what is, am I to believe that Edge's skin on his face is thicker than the average? Yeah, you gotta have some blade jobs everywhere. Not all the time. I'm not saying I want to see like a fucking eye get poked out. And, don't and please don't it. please don't get that idea again because no, they already that, did that last year with Raymond. They already did that with, with, with Seth Rollins. Yeah, they even like kind of. It's funny because he starts working on the eye in the match, so it's like Ugh, I hope we don't see a, a fake eyeball come oh, out again. Please no. Yeah, that was just awfulness. But um, but yeah, it just. That that only do that move if we're gonna see some fucking color, because like otherwise he didn't jam a metal object into his eye, <laughs> like plain and simple, it just looks dumb, you know. Um, but he uh, he follows it up with a frog splash for a nice near fall. He starts working the eye again. Rollins got a dope frog splash. He does. It's it like his his frog splash. He got a, a like some really nice air on it. Full extension, yeah, you know, when, just when like a textbook lands, frog It splash. looks like all of his force is being pulled down. Yeah, and like when they slowed it down in the replay, it's like when you really can appreciate it. Um, so later on, Rollins sets up a table at ringside, and uh, fans start chanting yes once they see the table. We get back in the ring, and Rollins hits Edge with what Michael Cole calls Edge's move, the unprettier. We all know that's not Edge's move, but thank you, Michael Cole, anyway. God forbid we give credit to the guy in the other company. Yeah. Christian. <laughs> but sure, that's Edge's move. Yeah, you know. Um, so he hits Edge with an unprettier or a kill switch, whatever you want to call it, and for a near fall. Rollins sets up a lying edge for a top rope move, and this is the spot that, like, got a really big reaction out of me. Like, I, I yelled out, holy shit, at this, because it's a move I've never seen, a spot I've never seen in a Hell in a Cell match. So Seth Rollins is on the top rope, seemingly about to do a, you know, a move on Edge, but he has his back towards him. Edge gets up, launches Seth Rollins into the, t like, as high as he could into the fucking cage wall, and he crashes through the table that Rollins had just set up. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anybody hit the cell wall before hitting a table. Yeah, that was, that was pretty wild. And it's crazy because upon watching it the first time, I didn't even realize he went through a table. I was already just blown away that he launched him into the cell wall that high up and fell to the ground. The replay, I see he went through a table. I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like, it, it looked ridiculous, man. Like, Rollins sold the shit out of it, and he's athletic enough to pull that off to make it look as good as it did. You know, um, so that to me was like, 
a really creative way to use the cell. You know, yeah, it like, was different. I don't remember ever you know, seeing this that before. Is, I think they even said this was the 50th Hell in a Cell match. Damn. <laughs> I remember the first one. Yeah, 24 years ago. So, you know, it's to see a move like that pulled off, you know, in a match that has been done 50 times and over the last tw- almost 25 years now, you know, it was kind of cool to see, like, some creativity. And, you know, no surprise coming from Edge and Seth Rollins. Um, and then back in the ring, Edge gets the steel steps, hits the edge of Matic on Rollins. Crowd starts chanting, this is awesome. Saudi's really into it. Uh, Rollins laying on the steps. Edge leaps off the top rope while holding a chair and dives onto him. Uh, dives onto Rollins just like Mick Foley did. And it was a callback to his Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker because he did that to Taker, only he did it off the top of a ladder in that match. Um, that was a kick out at two for a near fall. So then Edge starts. He goes, looks for a spear, runs into a kick instead. Rollins and hits him for a pedigree for a near fall. Rollins looks for a curb stomp. Edge catches him in midair and hits Rollins with a buckle bomb, which is Rollins' move. So that's two moves stolen at this point, one each. And that's a theme going on in this match. Edge hits him with a buckle bomb, fouls it with a really nice spear that Rollins sold the fuck out of. Um, Think the match is over. Rollins gets a shoulder up. Biggest near fall yet. Uh, Edge then breaks out a table and a ladder, brings both into the ring. I like all of that. Yeah. It's called Hell in a Cell, but... Make it hell in the cell. Pull out the tables, pull out the chairs, pull out ladders. I mean, an edge is the king of TLC. Pull out the fucking barbed wire, pull out the tacks, pull it all out. It's hell in the cell. Hell is supposed to be bloody and all fucked up. Yeah. I mean, the bloody part would be appreciated. It really would. I don't want to see anybody die. I don't want to see Mick Foley all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, he didn't die, God forbid, but you know what I'm saying. Damn near. Twice. <laughs> I, I would like to see a little bit of color in these matches that are supposed to be brutal. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You're surrounded by fucking steel, and you can use anything in your environment. But, you know, anyway. Uh, so the ladder and the table are in there. Seth Rollins takes control, puts Edge on the table, climbs the ladder. Edge goes to meet him halfway, gets off the table. But Rollins, probably arguably one of the biggest spots of the match, hits the sunset flip powerbomb. Off the ladder, on through the table. Edge is fucking laid out, but kicks out at two and a half for another great near fall. More of this is awesome chance. Saudi Arabia is eating this matchup, as they should, because these guys yeah, are... Is... They're working their asses off, and they're putting their bodies on the line. Really entertaining match. Rollins hits Edge with three super kicks as Edge is, lo- is pretty much out on his feet. Then Rollins, I believe, I feel like this part right here may have been inspired by the whole thumbtack superkick um, spot in the cage match with the Lucha Bros and, uh, and the Young Bucks. And they had the, the, the Jordans with mm-hmm. the thumbtacks on it. So Rollins wraps the chain around his boot. I kind of felt like that may have been inspired by that. Yeah, may not. I could see that. Maybe. We'll never see them admit that, obviously. You know, but it's, you know, kind of funny. A month and change later, they do something similar. But uh, Seth Rollins wraps the chain around his boot, hits him with a super kick with the chain boot, and uh, looked like Edge ate, you know, a pretty decent yeah. amount of that, you know. Um, they he, both sell so good. Yeah, he goes he goes to hit the stomp with that boot, with the chain boot, but Edge gets out of the way, somehow gets a chair and jabs it into Seth Rollins' balls <laughs> for a fucking brutal low blow. Like, Rollins is in midair, mid-stomp. Yeah, he, he like, stood it up. The, yeah, chair to the nuts. And uh, that slowed Rollins down like it would anybody else. And then Edge hits Rollins with a super kick. Another 
stolen move. That's probably the first super kick I've ever seen Edge use. Yeah, I remember. I, I've got to say, kick. never. Um, then he uses the chain and a wrench that's somehow nearby to assist his cross face. And uh, as Rollins is about to tap, he just lets go. Edge releases it. Instead, he breaks out a chair, hits Seth Rollins with a curb stomp on the chair, gets the one, two, three. Edge Finishes wins. him with his own move. Yes. Tells a story. Because that, seven years ago, back in 2014, when Seth Rollins threatened to snap Edge's neck with a curb stomp on his yep. then Money in the Bank briefcase, it would have been a curb stomp that did it. And I've been dying to see this since then, so WWE, thank you very much for these last three matches. Whether or not they meant to do all this long-term storytelling. I don't care. I'll take a fourth match. Put the title involved at some point. Maybe down the line. Down the line. You can always revisit it, depending on how many but matches Edge still has left in This has been the best feud in wrestling for a couple of months now. Yeah. it's um, The matches, It's the three matches have been, all three of them have delivered big time. I mean, really, it all depends on your taste of as far as which one was your favorite. It, like, did this makes you miss, like, old wrestling because... They did a long-term feud. Yeah, more than something that they were able to pay off. They used to do that a lot back in the day, and they they lost that. It started being one-offs. I yeah. like seeing guys go at it two or three times, see you know who could win, because you never know. That could have been a fluke. This could, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of more realism. It was uh, it was nice to see this paid off. Um, not surprised Edge went over. You know what I mean? Edge has been, uh, it's like you said earlier in, um, in one of our earlier episodes, um, you know, Edge has been putting a lot of people over lately, you know what I mean? So he could, he could definitely use a, yeah, a he, feud he, win. Yeah, he can't lose all the time. No. No. So you know, it's like, it, give him losses, but he can't, he has to get he his He put wins. Seth Rollins over clean at the Garden. Yeah. I mean, at the Garden. <laughs> That's a pretty big win for Seth Rollins. So, you know, it's not I, like he I didn't would, do him any favors. I would rather go over at the Garden than in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. You know, uh, he, he, it's not like he didn't do Rollins any favors. But, uh, like I said, probably the best Hell in a Cell match I've seen in over 10 years. Definitely. You best know? match on the card, too. Without a doubt. And uh, it was followed by Mansoor and Mustafa Ali, which uh, apparently made history as being the first ever time we've had two Muslim wrestlers competing in a WWE ring against one another. It's kind of cool pretty cool and they did it in saudi arabia so and uh in saudi arabia mansoor basically turns into the undertaker yeah he's the man over there he's from there yeah he is saudi arabian so you, it's funny i saw the meme where he's this is where i said there, right? I, I saw a meme online where there's a picture of me mark callis on the left and it says saudi it says uh mansoor in the u.s and then they show Undertaker on the right, and it says Mansoor in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I saw that <laughs> so yeah, and and for what it's worth, I mean, obviously he's you know I think he's actually from Riyadh too, yeah, which is where Muhammad Abdul's uh, stadium is. So he actually was pretty damn over for what it's worth. He I mean, has he a better cool be. move too, like the the move that he did this, like the springboard neck breaker. Yeah, I, it's pretty I, cool. That's a cool move, you know. Um, and he, he does win the match with that move in about seven or eight minutes. Um, the one thing that just it's kind of annoying about him, it's like when he gets this baby face fire and he gets all wide-eyed, like he just looks yeah, like he's he, goofy. All he, all he needs is a fucking powdery nose. And he looks like he just fucking stepped him out in the coke. Mustafa Ali get a mid-card push. I think he's good as a heel. Mustafa Ali, is uh, he's a hell of a wrestler. But yeah, man, so it's kind of goofy when he like, he does like his own version of a Hulk up. 
but it's like yeah, weird. it's just dude, you don't look intimidating. You look amusing. Yeah, like you look funny. I'd, I'd laugh at a guy if he did that. <laughs> like if it was him doing that to you. Like yeah, like what, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, what? But yeah, like he, he they, both of these guys are really talented, and it was cool that they were able to showcase something. You it was know, a nice match, you know, and it was a nice, uh, it was a nice match to follow the Hell in a Cell. You know, uh, the next match we got was uh, RK Bro defending the Raw Tag Titles against AJ Styles and Omos, and honestly. The most notable thing about this match, yo, Riddle is fucking hilarious. Is the fucking entrance? He, my son. Well, he like, came out in his. He came out in a scooter at first, and then told Randy that wasn't enough. I thought he was going back to get Randy a scooter. I told my son that, but then when he came out on the fucking camel, I lost it. Bro. <laughs> and the look on Horton's face is like, what the fuck? Yeah. And he should have went on back the and got one. Face was even funny. Though. Oh yeah, because the camel doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He was on. a Yankee fitted away from looking like Jay Z. That camel, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it would have been even better if Randy Orton had his own camel. Just yeah. to see him riding down just the camel, come down doing the, like the Randy Orton. No, pose. just with that stoic look on his face, like no emotion, just like dude, I can't believe I'm on a fucking camel. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess it would fit his character more. Yeah, more. but Riddle is just hilarious um, coming out in a fucking camel. Um, but as far as the match goes, like, if you saw it at SummerSlam, you saw this match already. This match may have been a couple minutes longer. Um, Orton hits an RKO with AJ Styles in midair trying to hit the phenomenal forearm. Tags in Matt Riddle. Riddle hits the floating bro, which is... A dope move. Very impressive. Very impressive. Um, I, like, I like how he throws the hand signal up before he fights. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and they, they retain the tag titles, um... Pretty much like a TV match on a pay per view. I, I kind of just like, a, like I, I, I want to see AJ go. Yeah, you and I have talked again. about this enough. Like we don't have to keep beating the dead horse. We and just I'm, I'm see ready to see RK Bro break up. Not yet, not yet. There's still legs in it. So all right, before I get on RK Bro, um, AJ Styles, if and when they do break him and Omas up, I want to see AJ Styles go back to SmackDown as a top face because. Sure, they, they got, need it. They need baby faces. Right. They got Drew McIntyre, but outside of Drew McIntyre, he's basically the only face that you can take serious and as a top contender. Even though we've seen it already, I'll sit there and watch a face AJ Styles versus a heel Roman Reigns. It's Reed. been forever, though, since we've seen yeah, it. So I, it's I, not, it's not going to be anywhere near what it was five or so years ago. You know, because that was pretty much AJ Styles' second opponent upon coming to WWE. Like, he beefed with Jericho, and then he went right yeah. on to Roman. I think it would be cooler now, though. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, AJ is the face now because before they were both a face. Yeah. They're both faces. So now with Roman as the tribal chief, and I want to see a long-term fucking feud with AJ and Roman. Like, move AJ back to SmackDown since he's the face that runs the place. He's, you know, SmackDown's the house that AJ built. And who better to fucking beef with than Roman? Hell, I mean, if you even wanted to, you can have that at WrestleMania, AJ and Roman. You know, I'd watch AJ and Roman at WrestleMania. Hell yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like... Drew McIntyre obviously is the top face of SmackDown, but I mean, until they start booking Jeff Hardy more seriously and Nakamura is your I intercontinental champ, I wouldn't even champ, be mad if AJ took the belt off of Roman at WrestleMania. We know that's not happening. It would. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be mad either, but let we're just be honest. Let's be realistic. You think he's going to keep it all the way to next WrestleMania? I don't know who who the hell knows at this point. But not to get off track. AJ going to SmackDown would be ideal, however the hell they do it, because SmackDown needs the baby faces. Raw doesn't need AJ because they have so many other guys that could fill his spot, and Finn and KO and Seth Rollins, so on and so forth. Uh, but the next match on the card was the Queen's 
crown final, uh, the tournament final, Zelina Vega versus Dewdrop. And um, it was only about a five-minute match. Not much to talk about except for the finish, where Zelina Vega hit a code red on Dewdrop for the one, two, three. I was surprised that Zelina Vega won, but I ain't mad at all. I, I thought... She definitely deserved it because upon coming back in WWE over the summer, all she did was lose for the first two months. Yeah, I wasn't surprised at her winning. I, I felt like she was going to win. I wanted her to I, win. I I'm just surprised Dewdrop they went through is, with it. I don't think Dewdrop is anything special, to be honest with you. I think Dewdrop's a hell of a wrestler, wrestle. but the name is just... Boy, I, where, where do I start? I mean, it's it's one of many terrible names in WWE. But I got Zelina Vega winning this. I would like to hope that this makes up for her, for them leaving her off the 9-11 MSG show. I can't wait to see the outfit she wears. Yeah, we couldn't see it in Saudi Arabia. Have you seen the outfit that she wore before they went to Saudi Arabia with that like skirt with her whole leg hung up? Dude, Zelina Vega's bad as yeah, fuck. Yeah, I can't wait for that. But yeah, like it's just cool that she's going to go down as the first ever Queen's crown tournament winner yeah, if this is dope. a thing that you know lives on throughout the years like the king of the ring has that's a good notch under her belt you know and uh like i said it's nice to see her actually being booked seriously hopefully they you know hopefully they do something. i think she's on raw i think she's on raw now so yeah. hopefully this leads to her actually being a player on 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 the women's at roster least a shot at the title even if she something, doesn't win you know um but yeah definitely cool seeing that our next match on the card Oh, Goldberg versus Lashley, which, of course, they made false count anywhere. I didn't even know that. I thought it was no holds barred. Well, it was, but they made two different stipulations right before the show started, and this was one of them. And they made a false count anywhere yeah, just for the finish. I was, I was confused at the end because I'm like, I didn't know that, uh, you know, no holds barred matches could end anywhere but in the ring. I, I thought that was the rule, but, you know... It, it was a good match. I mean, Goldberg doesn't... He's not known for having matches longer than five minutes. So for, to see him go for, what, like 15 they had, maybe? Yeah. It, it was pretty cool. I mean, he was in. he's in good shape. Goldberg's in good shape. As much as we think he's a chode, the match was cool. I, I don't, I don't the, think he's a chode. I know he's a chode. All right. So I'm sorry. I used the wrong vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway... Um, uh, you know, I'll give him credit, though. This was probably one of his better matches because it went a little longer, and I guess it worked. I guess False Count Anywhere worked more to his abilities. Um, the only thing I didn't care for, really, about this match is that, like, you know, Bobby Lashley, he started the match off. He wrapped the chain around his head, around his hand and started bashing Goldberg with it. Again, it didn't draw any blood. Where's so. the blood? <laughs> um, but, yeah, just whatever. Lashley pretty much mauls him for the first five minutes of the match, and then Goldberg breaks out of it. He hits him with a spear, jackhammers him, but doesn't pin him. He instead chases him around the barricade, again, around the ringside, and spears him through the barricade. To Goldberg's credit, this jackhammer looked clean. It wasn't like the one that almost ended Undertaker's life a couple mm -hmm. of years ago it's, in the same city. It's the least he could fucking do. The spear <laughs> looked clean. I liked it. it. The match, this type of match fit them because they're two almost 300-pound guys. It's not going to be technical. it got to be them beating the shit right. out of each other. What bothered me was the finish. Like it, not, not the spot itself, but I don't feel like Bobby Lashley should have taken a pin. I feel like they should have beat the shit out of each other to where 
neither one of them could move. Well, if anything, then it would have had to have been a last man standing match, which also would have just led to a draw. I mean, not necessarily. I mean, if they can't answer the referee's count. Yeah, but then that means answer. we get another match with these nah, two. Nah, fuck that. It's over. But you, you know that them. means we're getting another match. Nah. This had to have a definitive uh, finish. Because I don't want to see this match again. No, I, I didn't want to see it the second. I don't, don't want to see it the first there's time. There's another way they could have had Bobby lose. Yeah. The spot was dope. The spear I, I, off the ramp. At, this, at that point, you know, he speared him off the stage onto, like, multiple tables. And you know what? It looked good. He didn't kill Bobby Lashley, even though he storyline-wise wanted to. So that he didn't live dumb. up to the end of the deal, which was obviously why even say you want to murder him. <laughs> if you know you can't live up to that. Same deal with Drew McIntyre bringing his goofy-ass sword to the ring. You know, you yeah, can't use it. You can't do things. So why bring it back up? Exactly. So, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I give him credit for not killing Lashley because he speared him off a of stage. Um, God forbid he, you I know. I give him credit for not killing himself either because if you look at the replays, you see Goldberg almost lands on his head. Yeah. And he somehow like, maybe adjusts his body yeah, just a little if bit. If only he knew how to throw a fucking kick to the head without, you know, ending somebody's career. Goldberg wins, spear off the stage. Match went about 15 minutes. I didn't really care for how they, you know, weak they made Lashley kind of look. That's but I'm I also not surprised. I, I don't know. I just... I, to me, it wasn't much the pin. It was as much, it was just after the first spear from Goldberg, that was it. Lashley didn't get a lick of offense in after that. He didn't get any, like, you know, notable offense at all. Just mauling him and that's it. They made the Hurt Business look weak, too. Goldberg just fucked him off like Again, nobody. of course they're going to do that. I mean, they, if if they're going to feed the Usos, the tag champions, to Brock Lesnar, well, who were Cedric and Shelton to Goldberg? Yeah. You I know? I think of that. Um, but, yeah, you know, painless, I guess, because no one actually got killed. Next match, Xavier Woods, Finn Balor, King of the Ring Finals. The one thing that bothers me about this is that they, they, you know, the the announcers hammered home the fact that Xavier Woods' lifelong dream was to be the king of the ring. It's all they talked about, right? You know what would have been nice to talk about that? Xavier Woods himself. All yeah. we got out of Xavier Woods was, Crown me! Crown me! It's obnoxious shit yelling into the camera. <laughs> Basically begging, put me in a tournament. That's all we got out of that. Instead, we got fucking... We never got him in a sit-down interview. It was like, hey, you know, growing up, I always wanted to be king of the ring. I would make my own crown out of fucking aluminum foil. Whatever, some stupid shit that may or may not be true. But let me hear it from Xavier, not from kinda, fucking Corey Graves. I kind of like the the whole little, like, obnoxious thing that he did. No, I didn't mind it. It's just, to me, it... Like the whole story that they're telling is this is his lifelong dream to win the yeah, king of the ring. I, I Let's hear it, it from Xavier. But I, I, want, I would like to see if they make him a little heelish because I feel like he's never really been given an opportunity by himself fully. Right. He's always been with New Day, so now him being king of the ring, I think you're going to see something different from Xavier if they let him be like a little obnoxious heel king. Because king of the ring, you've got to be a heel after that. It's a heel thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it works better as, you know, as a heel. Um, obviously, Xavier Woods beat Finn Balor. It was about less than 10 minutes. He, had, he hits his top rope elbow drop. It's just—it's a clean elbow drop. Yeah, and he gets good air on it too. Like, he—it's a—it's a nicer looking elbow drop than it appears. Like, it's a lot better than somebody else. Slow motion, slow motion does 
Xavier Woods elbow drop even more justice. Um, but yeah, he, he gets to the, you know, gets the coronation and, you know, they say the whole all hell King Xavier or whatever. And he's demanding the cameraman to keep the camera on him. So he's already yeah, kind of showing. I, 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 I want to see them let him go with that because I think you're going to see how entertaining he really is. Yeah. I, I mean, he can make that work. So it's like, turn him heel. Let's, let's see something different with him. You know, I don't know what that does with Kofi or New Day if that turns Kofi heel as well, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind either. Kofi can't. Kofi's not bad as a heel. No, because when they did New, when New Day got big, they were, it was as a they, yeah, they, were they, they, they were heels. first, which is how they turned face, because um, the fans just liked them. But yeah, Xavier Woods, our newest King of the Ring. Um, we're gonna talk about King of the Rings a little later on in the show, but the next match, WWE title match. Biggie defending against Drew McIntyre. Um, this was this was a banger, bro. I think this is arguably the second best match of the night, next to Hell in a Cell, Edge and Rollins. Um, these guys, in about fifteen minutes, they put on a hell of a match. Um, you know, both showing great athletic ability throughout the match. Um, One of the most impressive things about this match to me is that Biggie is like an inch taller than me. But he's 285 pounds. Biggie is a fucking and brick shit house. If you man. look at him and Drew, this is there's like a size difference in height. But Biggie's able to pull a lot of moves off with a bigger guy clean. Yeah, and Drew McIntyre, like, especially in this match, just goes to show how good of a wrestler he is, even for someone his size, because like he's really not that much bigger or smaller than Hulk Hogan. Drew McIntyre. No, he's not. But he's way more athletic. He's Drew McIntyre is a big dude, and that's how and that's almost how I see it. It's as if almost Hulk Hogan was like a really great athlete, <laughs> like as far as like his his body frame. That that's what it looks like, and it's impressive as hell. Like Drew McIntyre could flat out fucking go. He's not just a big dude. Yeah, this match. Was you know like, what I mean? Like he doesn't wrestle like a big man. You know, like he does sometimes, the, uh, but like he, he he's a he's a well rounded wrestler. They pulled off some chain wrestling in the beginning. Yeah, we see uh, the fight gets uh, taken out ringside, and Drew hits a big belly to belly suplex on Big E. They go back in the ring, and Drew hits a spine buster and floats into a jackknife pin. Thing of beauty. Yeah, it's all smooth, fluid, like like a third generation wrestler. Because to me, that's what Randy Orton looks like when he's when he's executing yeah. moves. That's what the Rock used to look like. Everything is just glides into the next. Yeah, it's just transitioning into the next move perfectly. Um, they both start pretty much trading belly to belly suplexes in the ring. Um, Biggie eventually gets to hit his warrior splash on Drew for a near fall. Um, McIntyre, I like that he gets some height on that. Yeah, he makes the warrior splash look better than Ultimate Warrior did because um, he's an actual athlete, not a fucking bodybuilding meathead. Um, Drew McIntyre, he escapes the big ending and he counters into a pinfall that I don't know what the hell the name of this pinfall is. Um, this pin counter or whatever the hell, but it's the pin that Shawn Michaels, uh, the pin attempt that Shawn Michaels used on Chris Jericho to win their match at WrestleMania 19. So if you just go back and listen and, and listen, if you go back and watch that match and watch the finish of that match, that pin attempt that Shawn Michaels utilizes on Jericho. All right, two smaller guys. Drew McIntyre does this to Big E. And it's, I don't know, like, I was kind of blown away. It's crazy, that's what I mean. They pulled off some moves that you don't see bigger guys do. Bigger guys shouldn't even be able to pull these moves off. 
you know um i yeah i just it to me it's i just call it the hbk like pin because that's exactly what the fuck it was um and then right after that biggie runs into a fucking mishinoku driver from drew mcintyre also executed to perfection Dope move. for another near fall just like just drew mcintyre is seriously i don't think he gets enough credit I really don't. I know no, he, he can come off as boring, depending on the storyline, who he's facing. But in the ring, Drew McIntyre could fucking bring it, man. He's all right by me with that as far as uh, in the ring, you know. Um, Big E gets Drew in a backslide pin for a two count. And then it's immediately followed by a future, jo- future shock DDT from Drew McIntyre for another good near fall. Drew attempts a Claymore kick. Big E catches him in midair for a powerbomb, then locks in the stretch muffler. Um, for anybody that remembers the Brock Lock. Brock Lock. That shit looks like it hurts. Brock Lesnar used to, I guess what, wrap your leg around his neck. And, and just dangle you. And yeah, just dangle dangles you, you upside down. That shit makes so Big E is doing this to Drew McIntyre, who is, like you said, significantly taller than Big E. And he's also like 270, which is a heavy human being. Yeah. So I, I like that move on Biggie. I think that's a move he should start using a lot more often. Definitely. You know, I think that's a that's a that submission that suits submission. him. Yeah, that he could win some matches with that submission. I I it's believable because he's fucking strong. Uh, so again, more impressive moves from Drew and Biggie. Um, Biggie gets caught. In, oh no, excuse me. Um, Drew McIntyre gets out of it, but he gets caught in a big ending. Kicks out at two and a half. Uh, McIntyre eventually hits a claymore on E, but E kicks out of that. And we start getting holy shit, and this is awesome chance from Riyadh. They're into this match. Drew went for his own big ending, but Big E got out of that. Got him into like some kind of tilt a whirl off of an Irish whip. Hits his second big ending for the one, two, three. That, that's impressive because when he hit him with the tilt a whirl, Drew didn't fully rotate, and Big E had to get him up the rest of the way. Again, big guys doing shit that they probably shouldn't even be able to yeah. do. Yeah. That was a, that was a great match, man. and they both gave each other their props. Um, you know, two baby faces. The only thing I'd like to see change with Biggie is he's a body guy. Lose the singlet. Yeah, like he's the dude's huge. Did you see him? I mean, it might be it might be Vince's call, man. He covered up fucking Keith Lee and named him the Bearcat. Yeah, but Keith Lee is not half the body guy. That- no, I get that, but but Keith Lee's also not fat. No, Keith Lee is fat. No, but he he is. But Compared he's not, to Big E, yeah, but Big E kind of has like, like he has pecs, but they kind of look like tits. I mean, so maybe that's why he covers them way, up. Way the dude is huge. He's a monster. No, he's I strong. know, I know. I just want to see his attire change and maybe uh, like the big a tw- ending, a, a little tweak to his. The his big attire. ending kind of doesn't make sense to me. We were talking about this earlier. Yeah, I don't know what the big ending is supposed to hurt. Is he supposed to target your ribs? Or is he supposed to be driving your face first? Because to me, it just looks like his opponent easily maybe, breaks his fall. Maybe change that up. Hurt. Like, get him in a dominated position and turn him midair, slam him like that. On his back. Yeah, and then add that Brock lock to it just because now you have a submission move too. Yeah. So. But the big ending now is just like, it, it looks like it hurts you more than them. Right, because you're driving his entire weight onto you. Yeah, and your arm is under him, and then your back is yeah, like, hitting the floor. Why wouldn't that break your own arm? Yeah, I'd I like to see his so that, and that's higher. Yeah, the big ending, I'm not a huge fan of that finish. Um, if he tweaked it a little bit, 
you know, or came up with another move. The stretch muffler I like as a, yeah. as a submission. Other than that, I think Big E is entertaining. He's yeah, and he puts on hell of a match, man. This this was ring. arguably one of his best matches yet as a as a you know solo. His as a title reign man. has been interesting so far. So far, I mean, it's been short. It hasn't he hasn't had it that long? But he's had some good matches so far. Like he he the steel cage match with Lashley was a hell of a match for him. Yeah, very he, good even showing. The matches that weren't for the title, the yeah, triple threat match on Raw with Roman and Lashley yeah. was amazing. Um, so yeah, Big E has been having, uh, you know, even though he hasn't had the title long enough, um, he showed out as a Not WWE champion. Not to mention, champion. bro, he, he, he was announcing for the Deontay Wilder and Tyson That's Fury right, fight. yeah, he's, he's, he's been all he's over been the all place. He's been all over the place. He definitely, uh, deserves the exposure, you know, and the recognition. He's busted his ass for it, you know, and, um... Yeah, like I said, the short time he's been WWE champion, whether the title's been on the line or not, he's put on one great performance after another. Like, he's brought it. Like, you know what I mean? It might be some people out there that still have a hard time looking at him and viewing him as a main eventer and as a champion. I and I get I that. I understand it. But to me, as far as in the ring goes, he's living up to that shit. Yeah, definitely. He, he's proven why he's the champion in the ring. And you got to respect that. At the very least. Um, next match, Becky, Sasha, and Bianca for Becky's Raw title, right? Or no, she's a SmackDown no, champion. No, she's a SmackDown champion. Okay, she's going to be the Raw champion, when I they guess. Swap, yeah, you know, whatever. Swap. Um, Becky, Sasha, and Bianca, triple threat. First few minutes are dominated by Bianca. Um, using Sasha, Sasha Banks' body as a weapon against Becky Lynch, pretty much. Um, the one standout spot of this match, the military press. Where yeah, a lot of people will complain, and, oh, look, Sasha holding her weight up. But it's, it's cool to see she's really a strong girl. Yeah, like, B- Bianca removes one of her hands, seemingly like she's lifting her up with like one the hand in the military press. I like the face that she made when she took the hand down, too. That's like, the yeah, confidence. Look at this. Confidence. Bianca is... She's dope. Bianca's she's had a hell of a dope, year. Bro. That athleticism is, is like, a, it's, it's attractive. Yeah. She's just attractive in general. My God, she, you know it's it's nice to see, like in the beginning when she, like you said, when she hit her in the corner, boom, and then went into the backdrop, Razor Ramon style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, the fall away slam. Yeah, that whatever it was called. Yeah, I got you. That was dope. Yeah, Bianca is a fucking. She's impressive. She's a fucking specimen. And then really. they get that. Uh, she puts Sasha in position for the KOD, but Becky comes with a the missile drop the kick. drop kick. Thing of beauty. Knocks all three of them out. Later on in the match, Sasha attempts to sunset flip Bianca while Bianca Belair is, has got Becky in a stalling vertical suplex position. This is just... Yo, the way she holds her up and then drops her down a little bit. She kicks she, Sasha off first yeah, and then drops her with a suplex. What, like How she's able to fucking do all that and not drop Becky on her head... I think they said she deadlifts 400 pounds, which is ridiculous for a girl. I, you made a good point in this match how, like, they basically made Bianca Belair, like, too yeah. strong to take on one-on-one, which is All why Becky... All this leads up to the disarmor and the bank statement being put on her because they kind of, like, both realized, like, yo, we can't fuck with her one-on-one, one-on-one yeah, so we gotta get this strong. girl out of here. She's too strong. So they had, you know what and I mean? You the two heels kind of had to team up on her. If you notice at a point in the match, <clears throat> Bianca's out the ring... And I, th- I believe both Becky and Sasha make it a point to knock her off the apron to keep her out the ring a little longer. Mm-hmm. So it all, like, p- 
points to the fact that they realize they can't fuck with her one-on-one. Yeah, Be- Bianca was definitely uh, kept strong in this match, which is what I was hoping for at the Not very to mention, least if she wasn't going to win. She looked amazing in them purple tights. <sighs> Yikes. There's only so much you can hide, whether you're in Saudi Arabia or not. Yeah, you can't hide that fucking. You can't hide rump. them cheeks. Cheeks, mm. or or as Alex likes to say, cheeseeks. You gotta coin that term. <laughs> cheeseeks. So yeah, later in the match, <clears throat> Becky hits Sasha with a rock bottom, not the manhandle slam, but Bianca breaks up the pin. Later, Bianca hits the KOD on Becky Lynch. Sasha keeps Bianca from pinning Becky, throws her to the outside, and as Sasha goes to turn her attention to Becky, she gets rolled up. Becky grabs the ropes for the pin, wins the match. So I'm glad it was Sasha that took the pin, like I said, to keep Bianca looking strong since she's going to be the top face on Raw. I need to see Bianca win that belt back at some point. Oh, I mean, Becky is on Raw with Bianca and she pinned Sasha so to me that feud's not over Be- uh, Bianca has to get her revenge on uh, on Becky Lynch so to me that has, yeah, has to be her still, that takes the title from Becky because they still the you only know, match that has a, a clear winner between them is the SummerSlam match yeah and that was bullshit even at what was the favorite? Extreme Rules Sasha Banks came back and right when Bianca was about to win yeah now this time so they, she yeah, pinned Sasha there's still a need the- to see exactly so there's still a need to see Bianca and Becky um, and I'm glad to see that that feud's not over. Um, and this way, Sasha goes to SmackDown. I don't know who she's feuding with because she's a heel. Shit, so we is Charlotte. Had a Hell in a Cell match to kick off this pay per view. I wouldn't mind seeing Becky and Bianca in a woman's Hell in a Cell. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's too soon to see another Cell match. Um, Any, you know, that would have to be somewhere down I the mean, line. Did they scrap that pay per view? Um, they scrapped TLC apparently. TLC okay, in but, December, but Hell in a Cell hasn't been. Hopefully, scrapped. Hell in a Cell is next. When yeah, it comes, I mean that's next year, so it would you know I'd we like wouldn't know anytime soon. But main event time. Main event. Michael Cole is calling it the most anticipated match of the year. Roman Reigns, champion, Brock Lesnar challenger. A match we thought we'd never want to see again, but we have every reason to want to see it now. Paul Heyman changed that in the. Blink of an eye. He changed that dynamic very quickly. Um, this is the other stipulation that was added last minute at the very beginning of the show. As we said, Goldberg and Lashley, um, before the show started, was deemed a false count anywhere no holds barred match. Because, you know, there's so many false count anywhere matches that have rules. Um, this match was deemed no disqualification at the same time. So right off the bat, Kind of disappointing, but it's basically telling you get ready for a screwy finish. That's how I took it, at least. Yeah. So. But the funny thing is, the way they made the screwy finish made it seem like the match had disqualifications. Because if it was no disqualification, why make... Why did the ref get bumped out of the ring Why did he get bumped out of the ring? Yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, you make a great point. They they acted like there were disqualifications. Yeah, it just uh, some shit they I think they forget about. Right, because it's not like they use weapons. Not not that I can remember off the top of my head, at least. Anyway, so early on, Brock gets control, hits his first German suplex, and we already get the suplex city chance starting. I, I like I said earlier in the show, I give this crowd a lot of credit. They seem to be way more in tuned. To what's going on? Yeah, they, they, they seem like they, they're more into it than the last like time. They're actually fans rather than just you know let's check this out because there's nothing else going on. Rather than just like rich Saudi Arabians that just want to. Well, yeah, you don't see the fucking eight um, armchairs in the front row. 
Yeah, with the guy taking all the, the fucking the, best know, seats and the taking princes a, and shit. Yeah, just sitting there with camels and the stands and shit. Fucking popcorn and you know just in everybody's way. Like you got real rows, like eight rows later, but the first two rows are nothing but armchairs. Yeah, this was more like a crowd. Yeah, so that helped. Um. So yeah, uh, later on, Brock Lesnar he gets Superman punched off the fucking ring apron, and we get to see Roman Reigns do his best Undertaker impression, hits a running dive over the top rope onto Brock Lesnar. Hell, if you ask me, it looked better than Undertaker. Roman Reigns played did. D1 football, bro. He's an athlete. Yeah, I kind of forget that sometimes. He's another guy that's not just a big meathead that lifts weights. He Roman Reigns probably could have got to the NFL had it not been for leukemia getting him. Yeah. I mean, it also helps that he comes would from... Would he have been a superstar? Who knows? Maybe not. But he would have like, he would have been able to play. It also helps that he comes from, like, arguably the greatest wrestling family yeah, of all time. Yeah, Samoan. So it's in his blood. Samoans are born for war, bro. Yeah, so... But it, this leap over the top rope was a thing of beauty. And it's funny because it's usually a babyface thing, not something a heel does. But it's, it's cool that he... Move. Yeah, he broke it out for this match. Nah, it's not something we see him, him do. I him do that live. I think it might have been the first time in Prudential Center. Really? When he jumped over the... I forgot who he jumped onto. I think it might have been like Jamie Noble in them. Okay. Like, oh, J&J Security. Yeah. Okay. But uh, we get back into the ring, and Roman hits his first spear on Brock for a near fall. Roman Best hits, spear in the game. You think? Yeah, it depends on who's selling it. He's I the only feel. guy I've seen with his body completely off the floor with the opponent. Okay. Like, And it's cool because it goes along with a Superman punch because his spear kind of looks like Superman flying through the air and hitting somebody. But he, to me, he has the best spear I've ever seen. Goldberg's was, back in the day, was like Goldberg's was real. That's yeah, why. But that's the thing. Goldberg really had to hurt people. A working spear. spear. <laughs> yeah. Roman Reigns. See, Roman Reigns has the best spear that's not spear supposed that's to kill not you. not supposed to break somebody's ribs, you know? Yeah. But looks like it does. <laughs> right, right. But um, and I, when you put it that way... You do make a really good point. Roman Reigns, his... I mean, Edge makes um, Edge makes a good spear. Edge hits a good spear, but Roman Reigns is bigger and stronger than Edge, so it's more believable. It seems it's like more well, impactful. The way he comes off the ground, it's like that oh, That whole 265 is being thrown think, into you. I think with Edge, it's more like his... Like how... Like the velocity yeah, is coming he, at you he with. He hits you more with like his shoulder and his knees are still pointed towards the ground. Right. It's a good spear, yeah. but I still think Roman has it. Jeff Hardy has made Edge's spear look... Ten times more yeah, devastating. What? So he has Jeff Hardy to thank for that over the years. Um, so yeah, Brock Lesnar gets hit with two Superman punches. It gets him reeling. Roman attempts a spear, but Brock leaps out of the leaps out of the way. We forget that Brock Lesnar is a great athlete himself, and yeah, not to mention he looks guy. like he's in tip top shape coming into this match. Um, probably the best shape he's looked in, at, like in, in, during his second run. Uh, when he when he wrestled Triple H at WrestleMania, he was. But since then, this is the best shape. He's yeah, made. he he looked in phenomenal shape uh, in this match. I think and, you were at that Mania, weren't you? Yes, I was. And didn't you say like even from where you was? I just remember him like looking a like a fucking, fucking white gorilla from yeah, my seat. The dude is a like he's not a bodybuilder meathead. He's a fucking farm he's strong, country guy. strong. Dude. Yeah, he got throwing haystacks and logs yeah. and shit. So and the way he, I wasn't surprised that he jumped that high. But it's like shit. You just forget that he's the dude weighs almost. You forget that pounds. he's a, a fucking freak athlete too. Yeah. Um. He starts hitting some German suplexes, and um. The crowd starts going nuts. Brock hits his first F five, but we get a near fall. Brock One of attempts the best moves ever. 
Yeah, definitely one of the best finishers. Brock attempts another another F5, but Roman counters this one into the guillotine choke, and Brock Lesnar eventually powers out. Again, Brock Lesnar's supporting Roman Reigns' whole 265 frame and holding yeah. him up, then picks him up, and like it's, he's just ridiculously strong. Country strong. That's farm strength right there. Uh, Brock hits another F5, but this time Roman lands right into the referee. This is the ref bump that yeah, apparently why? seemed... Yeah, no DQ. Apparently, yeah, it's, there's no need for the ref to even get knocked out if you can do anything in front of him. And after he gets knocked out, he gets used as a fucking dumbbell. Yeah. <laughs> Brock so, picks him up by the To belt. try to wake him up. Like, it's nothing. So, Brock Lesnar basically F5s Roman into the ref. And the one thing we got to point out is Paul Heyman, who's usually animated as fuck, on that ringside, he is just standing there, n- no reaction. His facial expression just looks you like you have he no idea whose side he's, he's shitting on. himself on the side there. Not even you don't even know whose side he's on. He's just watching. He's not reacting to anything. He's got a poker face. Uh, Brock Lesnar, after he tries waking up the ring, after he deadlifts him with one hand, um, he turns into a spe- he turns around, gets speared by Reigns, and then is at this point, Paul Heyman. He grabs the universal title and he tosses it in the ring in between both Brock and Roman. He yells out to them, you know what to do with it. We have no idea who he's talking to. Both Brock and Roman see the title. They start tug-of-warring over it. You know it. what this reminded me of? When I was a kid, I had two dogs at once. I had a pit bull and a cocker spaniel. Mm-hmm. And I used to go in the kitchen and throw a piece of bologna in the middle of them and watch them like, battle over it. Baloney is a universal title. So this, when I saw them, him throw that and then they were battling over, that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. So we don't know who Paul Heyman is talking to. They both fight, fight over the belt. Brock is the one that gets it after a tug of war. He turns into two double super kicks from the Usos who happen to be right behind him. Again, referee's already knocked out. It's already no DQ, but... Usos are running in behind while the referee's knocked out. And the crazy shit is that for an ODQ match, they didn't even bring a chair into the ring. They didn't exactly go outside. It I mean, was nobody got speared through a barricade. It was for the finish, for it was for a finish where the ref was knocked out anyway. Yeah, it made no sense. So yeah, Reigns grabs the universal title, nails Brock over the head. A new ref, I believe, comes in and Not counts even the one to three. Spot. Yeah. Roman Reigns gets the one, two, three. I believe a new ref came into the ring. And, uh, yeah, that the match itself was good. It was just the, the questionable no DQ stipulation that proved to not make any sense because the referee was yeah, knocked that, out and all that, this shit happened. That ruined the ending for me because the ending was interesting because now it leaves you to think, like, what, what's next? Because who the fuck was he talking to? You know what to do with it. Roman was more out of it than Brock was. This, there's definitely still a need to have another match. And if anything, that's how did, I... Did you notice that? Roman was a little more out of it than Brock was when he threw the belt in? Like, Brock was at least starting to get up? Yeah, I guess I, I gotta go back and realize that. But, like, there's just more... There's more of a reason to go back and, and uh, revisit this match now. Because, obviously, this wasn't the best they can do. This match was good, but we all know that they're capable of better... No, and I believe match was I believe that maybe we get this match again at the Rumble. I wouldn't you, mind. You know, um, because to me, there's a reason to have it again, because we don't know who Paul Heyman si- uh, sided with. Paul Heyman left with Roman Reigns. 
But he also said earlier in the night, I'm, I'm coming here with Roman Reigns as a universal champion, and I'm leaving with the universal champion. He didn't say who. He tossed the belt in the middle of the ring. We don't know who he gave it to. He said, you know what to do with it. We don't know who he was talking to. Yeah. He didn't react to any of that. This plays so there's still Exactly. Too. So there's still way more to this story. It's, this isn't the end. He this isn't the last he match. Fits in. Yeah. So this isn't the last time we see Brock and Roman. So if there is a silver lining out of this, out of that screwy finish... I'll take it as we're not done with Brock and Roman. The best is yet to come. Um, but that was Crown Jewel. And like you said, best pay-per-view show we've had in Saudi Arabia. We said in the last show that it probably wasn't going to be good. So I guess we've got to eat our words a little bit. Oh, it was definitely, uh, it definitely, the matches that needed to deliver, they did. You know, the triple threat match. Very entertaining. Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell match was the match of the night. Both championship matches were good besides the no DQ. Biggie and Drew McIntyre was definitely better than Bro- uh, Brock yeah, and Roman. Was. And I didn't expect that going into this pay-per-view. And uh, Xavier winning the King of the Ring was kind of expected at this point. We'll see what happens, whether or not they go and turn him heel. Because that's the route they look like they're going. But so. Yeah, that was Crown Jewel, guys. And uh, speaking of King of the Ring, we're not done talking about that. Uh, we got a little top ten list. Uh, as far as King of the Rings go, and uh, we basically are going to rank who we think the 10 greatest King of the Rings are right after this. All right, so in the spirit of the newest King of the Ring being crowned at Crown Jewel, I, I wish just they would make it a whole pay per view. I just realized they, they crowned the king at Crown Jewel and the Queen's Crown. So I guess it made sense to have the, the King of the Ring finals. Yeah. You know, honestly, if they just turn Crown Jewel into the King of the Ring tournament itself, because I, I miss when the King of the Ring tournament was the pay-per-view. That's what I mean. I, I want to see King of the Ring be a whole pay-per-view. Yeah, instead of just the finals or the semis and the finals. Like, I want I, 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 the, the fucking first King of the Ring pay-per-view. Um, the tournament, I believe, was that fucking whole night. Was so that the one the where card, the card was, won the belt from Hogan? Yeah. The card was the King of the Ring tournament, Hogan and Yoko for the title, and Shawn Michaels versus Crush for the IC title. There was probably another match in there, maybe a tag title match, I can't remember. And this is what, 93? So this is the pay-per-view after WrestleMania 9? You know, yeah. so like I, I miss when they used to do most, if not all, of the tournament in one night. Um, but in the spirit of King of the Ring being crowned, of course, we know it's Xavier Woods, the newest thought of it earlier today like you know what why don't we talk about you know the best king of the rings the kings of the ring king of the rings (laughs) i thought it was lord of the rings (laughs) (laughs) so the 10 kings of the ring because there have been more than 10 there's been a lot more than 10 um no no are we going from 10 to 1 yeah we're gonna go 10 to 1 but before before I even get in, I am going to note a couple disclaimers here before I catch any shit as to why a certain someone isn't on this list. That certain someone is the Macho King, Randy Savage. Now, I know it's a controversial decision. Why isn't Randy Savage on the list, you may ask, Mike? This is new to me. You, you just taught me this. I didn't know this. but uh, So, I guess he won the crown from... He beat Jim Duggan for the... All right, here's the thing. Macho Man actually won a King of the Ring tournament in 87. All right? He beat King Kong Bundy in the finals. So I remember reading that. And I'm like, wait a minute. So he won the King of the Ring at, before he won the championship? 
because he won the WWE title in WrestleMania 4 tournament. So he wasn't Macho King then. No. He was Macho King well after the Mega Powers. Yeah, he was Macho King when him and Warrior fought. After Mania. Mega Powers. Yeah, he was he he became the Macho King in 89. So I looked into it. He beat Jim Duggan for the crown. What was Jim Duggan doing with the crown? He beat Haku. And what the fuck was King Haku doing with the crown? He uh, you said Harley Race got hurt. Harley Race he was awarded the mat. He was awarded the crown because Harley Race, who won the actual King of the Ring, yeah, King Harley Race, yes, apparently got legitimately injured against Hogan in a match where he had to cough up the crown. I guess, or I don't know yeah, why that so would make him not he, be King of the Ring anymore. But I can see why Macho Man's not on this list because of that. But so Macho did. Man beat a guy for the crown who beat a guy for the crown who was awarded the crown from the guy who actually won the tournament. Yeah, he he shouldn't be on the list if that's the case. It's and to me, it's just the Macho King persona himself actually didn't even come from the. And King we of the love Ring. Macho Man, and and Macho Man's he's on both of our fucking Mount Rushmore. Yeah, so, but I can see why he's not on the list because of that reason. And other than Macho Man, because um, the first ever King of the Ring was Don Morocco, and it was like mid to late mid eighties, I believe. I can't remember the exact year, um, but like. You can't find any of those. They're not on the network. Yeah. Not on Peacock. We're so doing, we're doing only televised. And yeah, and we don't know who is you know who is in these matches to even try to YouTube them if they would even be on YouTube. So as far as shit that we could watch that we can go back and refer to, you know, and debate and do whatever, come up with your own fucking list, whatever. This, you know, this is shit we can actually go back and watch. So that's why I just kept it from, you know, only the TV and, you know, the televised and pay-per-view tournaments. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, um, you know, I guess just keeping it within, because it's the very first King of the Ring, like we said, was in 93. So now that I got all that shit out of the way, no Macho King and nobody else from the, you know, the previous 80s going into the early 90s. Obviously, we know a couple of the names that are on this list. It did wonders for their career. Shot them straight to the moon. Exactly. So And they should start doing that again. Yeah, I mean, if they did it more consistently. But there are a few guys that it didn't do any favors for. If anything, it may have been worse for them. Uh, King Mabel was probably the worst king of the ring. Uh, it somehow landed him a number one contender spot in you the see, main event I would at like that if, if the king of the ring... Got a number one contender spot at SummerSlam while also being King of the Ring. Make it mean something again. Right. It just shouldn't have been Mabel. No. Not when Diesel was champion, because that was an actual SummerSlam main event. Yeah, I remember that. Oof. Good Lord. And you know what's even more puzzling about that? That King of the Ring, 95. You know who was in that? Shawn Michaels. Wow. And he had a draw, I believe, with uh, with Kama. Uh, with Kama. Yeah, I was surprised. And it's like, what, what better time? What ring. better time to win the King of the Ring right before he won the title? He had just, you know, co-main evented WrestleMania 11 with Diesel. Yeah, he wasn't champion that yet. Was so the, uh, why didn't Shawn? Yeah, why didn't Shawn Michaels win that King of the Ring? We went with Mabel. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I was so I, I was thinking today. I was like, why didn't Shawn Michaels ever win King of the Ring? Like, he's won everything else. Because Mabel 
fucking won it, the only tournament he participated Big in, apparently. Um, Ken Shamrock, it didn't really do much for him. Uh, Ken Shamrock, I feel like WWE went out of their way to try to make him a star. And while Ken Shamrock was damn good in the ring, he adjusted really, like very well from the octagon to the he ring. He had the charisma of stale bread. Yeah, he just... He had no mic skills at a time in the Attitude Era where everybody had a fucking personality. Yeah, because you could pretty much say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, and Ken Shamrock was probably one of the weaker promos of that time. It's a shame because he, he was a good by worker. He got punching himself in the temples. Yeah, and just being legit because everybody knew who Ken Shamrock was. Yeah. Um, but the King of the Ring, he beat The Rock in the fucking finals. <laughs> so it could have oh. been The Rock. Who was Intercontinental Champ at the time? Why didn't The Rock win a fucking Because, and I know why he didn't. Because Rock was fucking beating Shamrock all year. He beat him at the Rumble by on some bullshit. He beat him at WrestleMania on some bullshit. So he kind of did owe Ken Shamrock that. He, he, Ken Shamrock beat him at King of the Ring, made him tap out. So it could have been The Rock, but it was Ken Shamrock instead, and it didn't do him any favors. 99, the year later... King of the Ring and, and the Attitude Era was just not really important. Billy Gunn. Wow. It did absolutely nothing for him. No, because they broke up the Outlaws for Billy Gunn to turn heel. And as great as Billy Gunn was in the ring, and he, he definitely was, he still is. He's in AEW right now. He looks like he's barely aged. He yeah, just he never does. had it on the mic. That's where Road Dog came in. You know, so. Yeah, they had to be together. Yeah, because Road Dog was the shits in the ring, and Billy Gunn was the worker. Yeah, but Road Dog would talk. He was the talker. All right, he was the entertainer of, of the group. So Billy Gunn, he beat X Pac, which another one I would have rather seen X Pac get that. You know, X Pac had more of a legacy. Been hilarious in WWE. as a king of the ring. And X Pac just had more of a history in WWE. Like he has, like he had just overall better matches, better on the mic. Yeah, X-Pac was cool. But Billy Gunn, he got king of the ring, king ass. His gimmick was he... King valu- ass? Yeah, he, his gimmick was he valued his ass. Wow. It's only so much you could really do with that. You know, he got a kiss my ass match with The Rock at SummerSlam out of it, which apparently The Rock hated and wanted nothing to do with, which is why he buried him in that fucking... Classic promo where he oh, came up God. with the, yeah, where he, you know, coined his it doesn't matter catchphrase. That's where it started. <laughs> so, yeah, Billy Gunn right out the gate. I guess you can blame The Rock for that. <laughs> it wasn't even too long after until they brought the New Age Outlaws back and won the tag titles. So, it, it, his, his push yeah, is king the of the ring. Yeah, Outlaws should have broke up. Yeah, so, and that king of the ring was pretty much evidence. And uh, William Regal, you know, Regal's a hell of a wrestler, but it it didn't really make him a main eventer like, you know, probably should have. You know who he beat in the finals? I I don't even remember that. 2008 on Raw. He beat CM Punk. (laughs) He beat CM Punk in the finals. Really? Yes. He couldn't have gave, I mean. So, like, just listen to the guys that lost these matches that should have. You know, like, yeah. Mabel beat Savio Vega, I believe, in the finals. Someone quote me if I'm wrong. I was just saying Shawn Michaels was actually in the tournament. He should have won it. Yeah. Um, but, like, The Rock lost to Shamrock. X-Pac lost to Billy Gunn. CM Punk lost to fucking Regal. And Regal's dope. 
But it didn't. It didn't make. It didn't. You know, bring him to the next level. I think CM Punk could have been dope as a king of the ring. Yeah, and CM Punk ring. was on his way to that next level. He yeah. had just won money in the bank. He hadn't cashed in yet, though. Um, so you know they're not on the list for sure. And King Barrett was just fucking awful. That did him nothing. If anything, it made do him shit worse. From Baron Corbin either. No, that's not true, and I'll I'll explain that. I'll explain that. I'm just gonna get into the list now because I'm done talking about everyone who's not on it. Now let's talk about who is on it. I have number 10, I have Sheamus, but like, that's literally because there's only nine good King of the Rings, Kings of the Ring. Yeah, Sheamus is cool. Sheamus just looked like a fucking, yeah, but Sheamus looked like a fucking dick face with that stupid crown. and green robe he had. Yeah, he looked like an idiot. And it's not his fault, I mean, I guess he had to wear that stupid shit until they told him not to. But it didn't do him any favors. Like, he had already won the WWE title twice. Like, I don't know why he had to walk around in a fucking robe and a, a green crown. But he did for, like, a few months. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much the only reason why. Because he wasn't as bad as King you Barrett. You actually have Baron Corbin on your list. I have him at nine. But here's the thing. He grew on me. And it led to down on your luck, bum-ass Baron Corbin. Which to me was hilarious. That was funny, and it didn't last long enough. When he didn't get that because ha- for so long. Yeah, because to me, Happy Corbin, I don't hate it, but I hate Madcap Moss. That's your boy. Fuck him, and fuck that name. Um, the Madcap. I would have liked to have seen, like, broke ass Corbin last a lot longer. I don't know why, but I yeah, got a kick out of that. It was funny as shit. It bro. was hilarious. He fucking. Like, he bought into that. I give him a lot of credit. He bought into that fucking yeah, he, character. Yeah, he really went in depth with that shit. And, it, you know, it came from him losing his crown to Nakamura. The same, you know, I guess Nakamura became king the same way fucking Savage did. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Look at that. He became king and... and but he was also the king of strong style And then Xavier that. Woods got got to have some beef now. Maybe. But, um... Yeah, so... They're both on SmackDown. Yeah. But, That'd uh... be interesting. Baron Corbin... I I really enjoyed uh, Broke Baron Corbin. And it came yeah, out of him funny. being king of the ring and losing the crown. I, I guess when you put it that way, yeah. You know, coming out with the spaghetti stained shirts. No haircut, gray uh, ass beard. Terrible. Picking up $20 from the floor after getting beat up by the dirty dogs. Yeah, <laughs> fucking good stuff. Asking wow. Kevin Owens for fucking... A dub. It's like, I know you save money. You know, you, you don't you don't spend any money on your wardrobe, obviously. <laughs> Asking for help but being a dick at the yeah. same time. So on number uh, eight on my list, I got Owen Hart, the king of hearts. King of hearts. Um, he beat Razor Ramon in the finals. Not without Jim Neidhart's help. But like Owen Hart, that was the night he was dubbed the king of hearts, like we just said. And... uh this was, I don't know if winning the King of the Ring, you know, made him the number one contender, but he did wind up facing Bret Hart for the title in the steel cage match that we've talked about plenty of times. Which was a great match. Which was that summer, you know. Um, so it led to that. I don't know if it really impacted Owen Hart's career. Like, you know, it put him to the next level. Yeah, because they, they turned him into the Blue Blazer after this. Not No, not that. Not, not, that not soon. right after. Not but that soon. They but actually it's just he, went you know, back in time by doing he, that. 
he won the Intercontinental title a couple times, you know, years later in the Hart Foundation. But, like, he just never got off to being, like, a main eventer like I guess people would have hoped. And, obviously, he didn't get, he, you know, unfortunately, he didn't get much, of, you know, he didn't get much time to really have a chance. Um, But, yeah, it's just uh, Owen Hart. It was just a cool nickname and, uh, you know, something that he bragged about. He was a great heel. <laughs> You know, whether it was a fucking, you know, King of the Ring or a Slammy Award. You know, so Owen Hart's number eight. But here's where it starts to get good and where it starts to get meaningful. Um, You know, not that it wasn't for Owen or even Baron Corbin. But Edge at number seven, he uh, won the 2001 King of the Ring. He beat Kurt Angle, who Kurt Angle was going for his second straight, who would have been the first since Bret Hart to win two straight. And uh, Kurt Angle, that was also the same night he uh, fought Shane McMahon. And that, yeah, uh, the, the room to the glass. Yeah, the match that everybody talks about. Um, but yeah, Edge won uh, the the, um, the King of the Ring. And it's funny, the trophy they gave him looked like something like the fucking Stanley Cup. Um, it was kind of like the beginning of his singles push. You know, like he didn't reach main event status until years later but it was also a big neck injury five right yeah like but he also had a neck injury that kept him out for over a yeah, year that was when his neck first started getting fucked yeah up. like he missed two wrestlemanias because of that wow he missed 19 and 20 21 his first one back he won money in the bank you know so it took some time for him to get there but you know king of the ring was definitely something that helped him become like at least like an up-and-coming like borderline main eventer because he did after all, have feuds with Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle. Yeah, he started winning mid-card titles. Yeah, you know, and, and stealing the show on SmackDown. You know what I mean? Like, definitely led, what was the 11-time world champion? So, yeah. King of the Ring did something for him. It definitely did. It definitely did. But uh, not as much as number six, Triple H. Triple H actually got one taken away from him for the curtain call. Yes, he did. He was the only one that got fucking punished. Poor but bastard. he took it. But no, well, he That's never... why when people try to say Triple H only gets what he gets because of Stephanie, I'm like, go suck a dick. Because <laughs> there's people that say it all the time. And I'm like, yo, fuck you. Because Triple H, before he met Stephanie, was having bangers with The Rock for the Intercontinental Championship. Let him know how you really feel, God Like, damn. Triple H was with China when he was doing his thing. He's one half of the founder of the best stable ever, DX. Yeah. He didn't get, like, maybe he gets certain perks because he's banging Stephanie, but... Now, Triple H has definitely earned a spot. He's earned that spot as yeah. one of the top of all time. So, and I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. He uh, was apparently supposed to win the King of the Ring in 96, and uh, because of the curtain call, Razor and Diesel's last night in the company before they, uh, you know, took over WCW... Triple H was the one that got the uh, the blame pinned on him because you know you can't can't punish the two you guys leaving. Shawn Michaels. And you ain't gonna punish Michaels, who's the champ. Yeah, he was you know Teflon. So Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley at the time, he wasn't shit. Nah, he was the new guy. He was exactly he was, you know he was like a solidified mid Carter, but up and comer. The Greenhorn. So you know he had to take it, and uh, his King of the Ring was taken by someone else on the list later on. But he only had to wait one year because um, his King of the Ring definitely did help him get to that next level. Um, first off, it started his like one of his greatest rivalries with uh, with mankind, Mick Foley. 
He beat matches. he beat mankind in the finals, and it was uh, after the match where I think he pedigreed him through. No, he pedigreed him through the table. I think during the match, and that's how he beat him. But it was like their very first match against each other that led to one of pro- probably like one of the most underrated feuds in WWE history. Because they had some fucking brawls. Like, they had some classics. Yeah, they, they had some crazy And matches. nobody put Triple H over like Mick Foley. You know, and this Mick King Foley of the Ring final. Possessed. Yeah, and this King of the Ring uh, final was the first of, you know, it was the first chapter of that feud. Um, and Triple H, like I said, um, he had China by his side. He became the king. He cracked the fucking crown over mankind's head. Um, but it helped him get to the next level because soon after that, he was in DX. Him and Shawn Michaels would form DX, and we all know what happens after that. Um, so Triple H, number six, he doesn't quite crack the top five. At number five, I got the only two-time King of the Ring winner, and that's the Hitman. Bread hot. I'll let you let uh, do all the... Uh, Bread hot. You said that going forward, anything I'm, with an I'm, AR gets to Boston accent. And I'm... Glad you listened. Red Hot. And speaking of, he actually won an untelevised one. He won the last untelevised one in 1991. Um, apparently, he had um, he beat Erwin R. Scheister, as we know as IRS. Scheister. In the finals of that one, and, and he uh, he would go on to win the very first televised, the very first King of the Ring pay-per-view. That's the like, one where he rolled Bam Bam Bigelow up. Well, first off, he had three incredible fucking matches that night. Okay. It's hot. He started the night, the opening match of the night against Razor. Went up against Razor Ramon, had a 10-minute match. Great opening match. Beat him with some kind of pin, I believe. The second match, he goes 20 minutes with Mr. Perfect. Oh, of course. Incredible match. Mr. Perfect even shakes his hand at the end. Reluctantly, but he does. He gives him his props. The fucking finals against Bam Bam. Who, by the way, Bam Bam is a little fresher than Brett because I believe whoever he was supposed to face, I think they both got counted out or yeah, a draw. He got a buy. I believe Bam, Bam Bam got a buy somewhere. Can't remember exactly off the how top did, of my head. How did Brett beat Mr. Perfect? Ah, fuck, man. I can't remember. Because all, all three of these matches ended differently, like... But none of them ended with the sharpshooter. I know that's what you were. Right? That's what you were setting me up for. Nah, but but that, I can't. I honestly can't remember. It's, it's been a while. I know Bam Bam. With a pin. He beat Bam Bam with a pin. He uh, beat Bam Bam with that with, cool with the victory up, roll. That, that, yeah, where he the held his roll. legs. Apparently, Bret Hart says, I think, and in in, uh, he said in interviews before that in that role he farted in Bam Bam Bigelow's face. <laughs> he couldn't hold it in. <laughs> like just imagine, like he's in perfect position. Yep. It's a fucking king's fart. Bret Hart farts. But yeah, Bret Hart. And, and and again, against Bam Bam Bigelow, another awesome match. Like, what's crazy about that, like, Bret Hart, what that did for him, like, he had just lost the WWF title to Yoko, and then that was given to Hogan, and Hogan took the spotlight from everybody, so, you know, Hogan just came around and, yeah. you know, did what he does. Speaking of Bam Bam Bigelow, bro, he was... Bam Bam Bigelow was underrated. I he mean, was. He, he was really good. But back to Bret real quick. Because Bret Hart, this King of the Ring, like, was big for him. Because um, you can imagine how demoralizing that could probably be. Like, just having Hogan come in and take your fucking belt. He didn't do shit to earn it. 
<laughs> he didn't even well, Yoko he didn't even make one wanted. appearance. Yoko won it, and then Hogan just came out and. But he took the spotlight from both of them. Yeah, you know. know. So Bret Hart, this was like him proving that he's like, yo, I'm the fucking one. Like he put on three incredible matches in one night when the whole tournament was practically the whole the the entire pay per view. You know, and Hogan came out and fucking dropped the title because a photographer shot a fireball at his face. <laughs> and Yoko dropped the leg and, and took his title. Damn, we never Hogan, saw Hogan, Hogan couldn't again. even take the bonsai drop? I think he took a bonsai drop after the match. Okay. Yeah. But God forbid you take the finish during the match. And well, he took his own it. finish, he actually, which is even better. He lost to a leg drop. You know what? That, so I'll take yeah, that. You know, yeah. You know, nice substitute. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like it, it. It showed that Bret Hart was like the, you know, the guy that, you know, they should go with as being the next top guy, and Bret Hart was the one that filled in, you know, that filled Hogan's shoes, and those were big shoes to fill in. You know, Bret Hart doesn't get nearly enough credit he deserves as being the top guy for WWF for five years. Because he carried yeah, them through from their like toughest. To ninety-five. No, nah, like, well, like he became he he won the title like in ninety-two, and then ninety-seven is when he you know screw job happened and he went out on top. You know, like when all that shit happened, Bret Hart was the fucking top guy still. You know, like Bret Hart, he carried WWF through the toughest time. You know, the the whole steroid scandal and all that shit. Back when they weren't really you know drawing that much, that was all on Bret's shoulders. <laughs> You know, so King of the Ring was huge for him, man. That was his proven ground to show like he belonged in the main event. And uh, just, you know, a year later is when he would have another great night where he wrestled two of the best matches against Owen Hart and Yokozuna at WrestleMania 10. MSG got the title back. You know, so Bret Hart wrestling more than one, uh, more than once in one night is usually a fucking great thing. So... Just putting that out there. But number four on our list, enough about Bret Hart. Yeah, you were really stroking his meat there. Yeah, jealous. Uh, Kurt Angle, which is, speaking of Bret Hart and Kurt Angle, that would have been fucking, wow. That would have been probably the greatest You know, I read match. something that Kurt Angle actually called Bret Hart up about a match, but Bret Hart shot him down, like, completely right away. I guess because Bret didn't was it feel around? like he could, I don't think the reason was that Brett didn't feel he could still be Bret Hart. Well, was it around fight. the time he had the stroke? Because that could have been. Cause like, I think it might have been before that, like right before that. Because it might have been like early two thousands. I think Brett had, I think Bret Hart had like the stroke in o two or something. Because it was soon it after like Bulldog's like death. Two thousand, two thousand one. Okay. Yeah, I mean that would have been obviously been that's one of the greatest dream matches of all time. What year, Kurt? Was it two thousand? And Kurt Angle, his rookie year, within one year, he won the European Intercontinental Championship. Like one, one of the month. best years, rookie years. And ever. then King of the Ring was next. And I, I believe 2000 King of the Ring, most of the tournament took place that night. Because Kurt Angle, he beat fucking, he beat Rikishi. And I think he also beat Hardcore Holly. It might have been the night he broke Hardcore Holly's arm. I don't know if you remember, he did a he did a moonsault off the top rope, and Kurt Angle's legs came crashing down on one of uh, Hardcore Holly's arms, and you could see it break. Damn. Yeah, I think it, I want to I want to say it was a King of the Ring match, and, uh, and Kurt Angle. Yeah, and Kurt Angle beat uh, Rikishi to win the King of the Ring, and King of the Ring just was the the next step. 
because it was just months later after that, he beat The Rock for his first WWF title. All in one year. Debuted at uh, Survivor Series 99. Wow. All in one year. And then that was in November of 99. And then October, no, November of 99, October, October 2000, wins the WWF title. King of the Ring was the last stop before that. So. The thing about Kurt Angle is that everybody knew that he was an athlete, but nobody knew how entertaining he was. Yeah. And he didn't even like he look like he won the king of the ring, that. and it just it took it to you well, know, yeah, he looked like a complete fucking goof with the crown and the scepter and all yeah. that shit. And but it, it fits him because he's such a dork. Like his character was exactly you know like it was perfect, especially for the attitude era. He was so easy to hate. You know, like Triple H might be the greatest heel of the attitude era, but Kurt Angle might be like right underneath him. Yeah, you know when you really I think always like seeing Kurt Angle get his ass. Kicked. Yeah, man, like the fans loved hating Kurt Angle. You know the whole "you suck" chant. Yeah, you know, and then and then when Austin did what? Forget it. It was even worse. Yeah, the Kurt Angle couldn't say anything. So he had so much heat. <laughs> you know, um, and King of the Ring was again a big launching pad for him getting there because, like I said, just months later, pinning The Rock of all people for his first WWE title. You know, so number four, Kurt Angle. Number three to me is as far as the gimmick itself goes, as the King. It is hands fucking down, King Booker. Yeah, definitely. He he won the King of the Ring and took that shit to a whole new like that was his character after that period. He won the King of the Ring when they first, when they brought it back for the first time because the last King of the Ring was in two thousand two, and we'll get to him. Um, and they resurrected this King of the Ring like four years later, but they did it like exclusively to SmackDown, I believe. I think it was in 06. and he beat Bobby Lashley to win the King of the Ring. And it's funny because I remember watching, remember hearing about it. Like, I expected Lashley to win that because Lashley was the new up-and-comer. Yeah. Never that I'd think there was, it was going to be anything like this. Oh, they had to give Booker T something. And it also led to him becoming number one contender, beating Rey Mysterio for the world title. Yeah, so it did something for him. So it, it, it gave him the fucking, like, the revival that he needed. The recognition he needed. Yeah, man. He deserved to be in that main event spot finally in WWE. Like, he had put in his time in WWE by then. He was there for over five years at that point. You know? And he probably should have gotten it a lot sooner. Yeah, he got snubbed at WrestleMania. Yeah. He should have He sure as hell got snubbed. You know? And Booker T had proven himself time and time again that he deserved to be in the main event scene, like, permanently. You know? And it was King really Booker. really good in the ring. He's fucking great in the ring, and he was an awesome promo. I like sometimes I compare him he, to like Randy. He had charisma, Orton. man. He was he was another one that like he was so fluid in his moves. Like you would think he was yeah, second or third generation, you know. Booker and there's a re- up there with the greats. Yeah, man. Booker T is a fucking. He doesn't get nearly enough credit as a as an in ring talent. Um, and he was always entertaining. You know, and King Booker is the gimmick that kept him in the main event scene. Yeah, you had Queen Charmel. Yeah, he was great. He was great. The whole accent, he was ridiculous. It was hilarious. You know, like like Booker T had completely rejuvenated his career. King Booker, as far as like the King gimmick itself goes, he took it to a level no one can ever take it. He he completely switched his character up. He changed his music and everything, and it worked. Yeah, it it was it was awesome. He got so much heat for it. you know, he he had the title for like a good like five months, I want to say. I remember he dropped it to Batista at Survivor Series, you know. But um, again, like it, it was 
it was the you know the revival that he needed at that point, and, and it was what kept him in the main event scene. And on top of all that, it was just fucking hilarious. Yeah, he was funny as King Booker. You know, so number three, Booker T. Number two is the 2002 King of the Ring, Brock Lesnar. We're talking about rookie years with Kurt Angle. This one was real significant because this was when Stone Cold walked out of the company. He had just walked out a few because, weeks before. I mean, I understand why he did it because... They could have made big money with this. He was supposed to lose to on Brock Lesnar on Raw in a, qualifi- on, like, on a qualifying match no. for this King of the Ring. That should have been the final, if anything. I mean, granted, Rob Van Dam and Brock wasn't bad, but Stone Cold and Brock Lesnar? Why is Stone Cold even in the King of the Ring at that point? It was 2002. I mean, he's already in there, though, so you might as well have put him in the final. Yeah, but either way, like, Brock Lesnar... Um, he was on a tear. He had only been in WWF for like a couple months. I think this is another one. Had this is actually the first. Now that I remember, this is the very first WWE pay per view. I I believe, or for was Brock? it? Oh no, no, just WWE pay per view. Like they, they oh when just, they changed when they dropped the F. Yeah. Oh, because I believe the last WWF pay per view was Judgment Day, or maybe that was the first WWE pay per view. It was one of the other. Yo, speaking of that, I remember, it was around that time where they where they switched. I remember when, because didn't they switch around the time that they were on Spike TV or TNN at the time? They had already they had already been on TNN. So I, I remember I hadn't bit. watched wrestling for a little bit. They had, then, they'd already been on TNN for like two years. The next time I turned it around, I was like, yo, where the fuck are the two lines on a W? Yeah. <laughs> they, were, uh, they were on TNN for a couple years at that point. Yeah, I remember the TNN logo. Right. But, uh, but yeah, Brock Lesnar... Two months in, becomes the King of the Ring. On, on the, the last ever King of the Ring pay-per-view, he beat Test in the semifinals, which is a weird match because they were both heels. I don't think anybody really cared about Test or even bought into him beating Brock Lesnar. They were just kind of waiting for Brock to beat him. But he did face Ra- uh, Rob Van Dam in the finals, and uh, it was a pretty entertaining match while it lasted. Brock obviously won, and the stipulation that year was whoever wins the King of the Ring that year will become number one contender at SummerSlam and face the undisputed champion. They should go back to that. And I, I agree. I, I think that's definitely a good incentive to win the King of the Ring for it to matter because you can also push a brand new star and make him a star. King of the Ring pay-per-view at the end of June leading to SummerSlam in August. Yeah, and it's exactly what it did for Brock Lesnar because Brock Lesnar, he, he went from, you know, fucking beating Rob Van Dam who was like, Flirting with main event status, who you know had been there a little to beating bit. Beating The Rock for the title, oh, just a month or two later, yeah. just beating The Rock clean again. We very convincingly at the best SummerSlam ever. Yeah, you know, and it's arguably the most uh, memorable main event because of that. Like Brock Lesnar literally became fucking King of the Ring, WWE champion within five months. Yeah, anybody who's been listening to us knows we had that match on one of the greatest uh, SummerSlam. Hell yeah, it was in our time. top ten. It was in our, I think it was number six. So this King of the Ring really did... Bro, yeah, no it. shit. I mean, Brock Lesnar... He was labeled the next big thing, so... That's, he, you know, like, it was the King of the Ring that, you know, was the first big accolade he even had. I want to see the King of the Ring become a launching pad again. Yeah. Because, I mean, Xavier will be a good King of the Ring, but, I mean, he ain't yeah, getting no fucking don't title. Don't just make it a, no a thing just to have somebody to do something. Make it... We want to push this guy. Well, that's guy. what it's been lately. If, to me, at, at this point, it's like if it's funny or if it, if it pushes him, 
whatever. Like, it's been a joke lately. It'll probably continue to be. This I is what it meant something. I want to see it be a launching pad for guys. And Brock Lesnar, it sure as hell was a launch pad for him, but it is not enough to make him the greatest. Obviously, the greatest king of the ring of all time is 1996. Stone Cold Steve Austin. It only launched the greatest fucking star in the business. That we've ever seen ever. <laughs> like, the biggest draw, I would say. He was a heel at the time. 1996, Stone Cold, man. But the crowd just, they wanted it. It was, it this was is, that this time. Is, you know, first off, the, 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 the King of the Ring, the first match of the night is a semifinals match with Mark Merrow. And this is one of my favorite Stone Cold matches of all time. Like, if I had to come up with a top 10 Stone Cold list, and maybe I will. His match with Mark Merrow. Wild man Mark Merrow, right? Bootleg-ass macho man Randy Savage. Because Sable is supposed to be Elizabeth. So, trust me. Um, Stone Cold and Mark Merrow tore this shit up. Awesome fucking opening match. It felt like it went damn near 20 this minutes. This was before he hurt his neck, too. So Stone yeah. Cold was a really this good was, wrestler before this that. This was Stone Cold when he was the great technician. Yeah. And um, it's still, like, just how he whoop people's asses like you could tell he was really trying to you know what i mean like like it was just how he did it man like it was all in his attitude um and this match this was the match where um mark merrow i believe drop kicked him and that was what busted his fucking lip he needed right he went to the hospital what he had 18 stitches or something like that fat ass fucking lip speaking of that, that that was when he got back that was when doc Hendricks hit him with the you know, this is what this guy said. Jake the Snake. Yeah, this is what Jake the Snake said. And Stone Cold came up with that he, iconic promo. He, uh, yeah, he said something about uh, he spit a uh, Bible verse on you or something like that. So Austin autom- automatically... Well, didn't Jake the Snake say something about John 316? Yeah. That's who, what it who was. Who did Stone Cold face in the second round? He... Was, in the finals was Jake. So, oh, it was Jake. just two rounds? Well, they had... Um, they had the other two previous rounds, like the the qualifying and the quarterfinals. But one was on superstars, and I can't remember. I think oh, that was right. I think so. that was against uh, Bob Sparkplug Holly. Wow! And then the quarterfinal was against Savio Vega. And I actually I believe that quarterfinal match against Savio Vega was where the very first stunner was broken out. Stone Cold and Savio had a little rivalry going on. Yeah, they did. And I think at that point, that was probably the last match of their feud because from there is when, you know, it was the King of the Ring. Yeah, Stone Cold. So that night, the semifinals was him and Mark Merrill. And then the other semifinal match was Jake Roberts and Vader. Yeah. Vader got himself disqualified just for beating the fucking piss out of Jake Roberts. And then Stone Cold targeted that injury in that match against Jake. Yes. He just beat the shit out of his ribs until he stunned him, won it. Told him to get him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Austin three sixteen promo that was, is enough. Yeah. Let alone launching the greatest star wrestling's ever seen. Like it all happened ninety six King of the Ring, it all happened with this promo, which is arguably one of the greatest promos of all time. You know, like how is he not the best? King Sometimes I go on YouTube and just watch that promo. Just yeah, it's. It's his it's his most iconic promo. You know, it's not his best, but it's his most iconic, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's our list. Of course, Stone Cold's gonna be our number one king of the ring. It, you know, like I think that I don't think anybody's gonna argue this list. 
No, there's no way you... I mean, this list is solid. The order, everything. Yeah. You know, as far as, you know, really who no it you made... You know, who it impacted. The matches that were, you know, that took place. A lot of good shit, man. King of the Ring. Highly doubt Xavier Woods touches any of these guys other than Baron Corbin. Um... But who knows? Maybe Sheamus. Sheamus didn't. Really oh yeah, Sheamus was barely my just my number ten. Just because. Yeah, just because there was. Just because he wasn't as bad as King Barrett. King he, Barrett was basically. He was better than all the bad ones. King yeah, King Barrett was treated as a fucking jobber, and I'm not blaming Wade Barrett for that. I'm, it's just how, how much they didn't give a rat's ass about him. Yeah. You know it's a shame, but that's just the truth of it. Like it's 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 there. The proof is there. Sheamus was just not as bad. <laughs> like, but, you know, at least Corbin led to some entertaining shit. You know what I mean? But, yeah, that's our King of the Ring list. And that's our show. Um, next week, I'm hype. Next yeah. week is going to be a special episode. It's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be our very own SmackDown review. And it's only on SmackDown, uh, our episode, because... Myself, my older brother, and Mike were going to SmackDown in oh, Wilkesbury, PA. A great friend. I try. I do what I do. Luxury Lex. <laughs> That's what they call me. Bodacious Bravo on the move to SmackDown. Yeah, so uh, we're going to be there. And, um, you know, assuming this is going to help build the Survivor Series, which, by the way, I'm also going to. Lucky Brick. <laughs> Well, you know, luxury Lex. There you go. You gotta be luxurious. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm hyped for next week. You know, um, we're gonna talk about our first-hand experience. You know, um, should be pretty interesting. You know, we might even try to record this a little differently. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we, we're, we're gonna have a special guest, and it's gonna be my older brother, who's gonna be there. Uh, and you know, for anyone know that cares or whatever, he's been watching wrestling longer than we've been fucking living. So he's from the Hogan era. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, it, it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm I'm excited for SmackDown and for this next episode. Definitely, I had a lot of fun doing the last one, doing the whole fantasy warfare shit. That was cool because, like I said, it was something we haven't been able to do in 20 years. Like you know, and like take it seriously, shit, shit like that. Yeah. You know, so uh, I'm having fun with doing this shit, man. It's cool coming up with cool ideas next week is going to be a lot of fucking fun it is uh, our, our, our first show since the pandemic i think shit last what was the last show you went to the last one i went to was wrestlemania the 35 show i went i took my son to the same arena mohegan mm-hmm. and we got floor seats bro How long, I, what I, year was that 2015 kevin owens debut. damn it's been that long for you yeah kevin owens debuted he had the nxt title i seen the old nxt title in person I chopped it up with JoJo, wow. bro. Bray Wyatt's wife. Oh, yeah. I remember She's you told so me that. She's so bad in person. I oh, can imagine. God. She looked like a nice little fucking lollipop I just wanted to lick on. <laughs> we won't get into that, though. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, damn, that's a while ago. Shit. Yeah. Uh, Rusev fought Ryback, and I believe he broke his fucking ankle. Oh, that was... So you saw his last barefooted match? Yeah. Last barefooted yeah, match. I remember that. The I backdrop. When, uh, Cesaro held up Kalisto and, like, put his arm out in the suplex position. Okay. That Tyson Kidd was still wrestling back then. Oh, tag team. shit. Okay, wow. That was, damn, that's a long Fucking time Dean ago. Fucking Dean Ambrose's corny ass stood on, a, on the announce table, and I was like five feet away from him. 
Should have ran up and low blowed him. But uh, yeah, last one I was was uh, WrestleMania 35. So that Kofi and Daniel Bryan match, fucking yeah, amazing. Yeah, you went to a pretty good WrestleMania, you prick. That out of the three I've been to was my favorite one. Definitely uh, better outcomes in that in that WrestleMania than the other ones. Yeah, that that Kofi and Bryan alone was fucking phenomenal. Like that was Kofi's greatest match, and Brian. You went to twenty nine too, right? Yeah, twenty nine was, was uh, twenty nine was cool. Punk and Undertaker, Punk and Undertaker was Undertaker awesome. Stole the show. Triple H and Brock was pretty good too. We got to see Shawn Michaels hit Paul Heyman with a super kick, so that was cool. Yeah, um, Rock and Cena wasn't that good, but we saw the Shields first at uh, WrestleMania, so that was cool. Um, yeah, they fought uh, the Outlaws. No, nah, they fought. No, nah, that was a year later though. They fought Big Show, Orton, and Sheamus. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, and I also went to 34 in New Orleans, which is pretty disappointing. But had it's had its moments. Yeah, I saw I saw Brian come back. Yeah, but I saw Brian's come back. I saw his first match. Back. That was when he tag teamed with Shane. Yep, against Owens and Zayn. Yeah. See, my memory be going sometimes. Nah, I, <laughs> I, hear can, you. I can I can mean, pull it out. I hear you. Yeah, man. But um, I'm hype. I'm hype. I can't wait to see this shit, man. This is gonna be cool. Yeah, you know, is. so uh, and, and I'm and it just gets me more excited for the episode. It's, uh, it's gonna be something different, you know. So, uh, like I said, guys, follow us on Instagram at d underscore wrestling underscore high. Tell your friends about us. Give us some feedback. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what you like. Um, and yeah, man, just keep listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, but that's all we got for today. Mike, any closing thoughts? No, you did follow the Instagram. You might see some pictures from the event. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, we might post some pictures and some videos. We got some pretty decent seats. You know, it's it's a it's Mohegan Sun's a small arena, so it's really not a bad seat in the house. When your right hand man is luxury Lex, <laughs> you get some of the best seats in the house. Take my word for it. Yeah, calm down. Pictures, <laughs> <laughs> pictures ain't gonna be that fucking nice. No, they will. <laughs> Well, I can, he, I can well, zoom. He's not a big arena. I can zoom in, you know. But I'm uh, telling you, the seats that I, that you got, well, they're pretty good. Yeah, we'll you know we'll see. You know, everybody will see. We'll, we'll definitely uh, post some pics and shit like that. You know, what I mean, we're gonna uh, see if I get a. I want, I want to get an acknowledge me shirt. I hope they have that for sale. I would like if they had like the bloodline one. I probably grabbed that. They might. It's the one they've been wearing the most. I so. my son a shirt, maybe a title or something. Yeah. You know? Not the fucking four hundred dollar ones, but <laughs> no, a nice little replica. No, that's the one you get yourself. At some point, yeah. <laughs> you know you don't want. It. You know you want to fucking admit it. Hell yeah, I want a title. <laughs> Why wouldn't I want it? I'll bring but yeah, to work with me. Like I said, man, next week's gonna be a lot of fun. But uh, that's it for tonight. For Mike, lugs relax. <laughs> the bodacious Bravo. All right, we'll see you next week. Thank you.